0: CHAPTER Eight OF SWATI, THE STORY OF REAL BOYS. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. READ BY DALE BARKLEY. SWATI, THE STORY OF REAL BOYS BY ELLIS PARKER BUTLER. WASTED EFFORT Well, a good many things happened that vacation. Pan stayed over at Chicago, and Herb Schwartz began studying to be a lawyer in Judge Hannon's law office. Miss Carter went off to a school somewhere, but I don't know whether she was teaching or learning. Mamie Little was down at Bettsville on a farm, and Lucy never did tag along with us anyway, so it looked as if me and Swatty and Boney was going to have one of the best vacations we ever had. We used to go up to our cave and work on it. Scratch Cat went with us mostly, but we didn't count her for a girl, so it looked pretty good. Me and Swatty and Boney liked vacation because we never did have time to do all we wanted to do when school kept. What we wanted to do most was to finish up our cave in the clay bank up Squaw Creek. The graveyard gang had chased us away from it, but that was all right when vacation came because the graveyard gang kids all have to go to work when school is over. Some of them work for the farmers on the island and some work in the sawmills. So we went up and looked at the cave. The cave was all right. The graveyard gang had fixed up the door and made it look better, and the stove was there, and they had made another room to the cave in behind, only it wasn't all dug out yet. So me and Swatty and Boney and Scratch Cat thought we would finish digging the new room, and then maybe we would get a gatling gun or something and put it in the cave so we could hold the fort when school began again and the graveyard gang tried to chase us out again. Swatty said maybe his uncle would give him a Gatling gun for his birthday if he wrote to Darlingport and asked him. So me and Boney thought that sounded good, and we went ahead and dug at the cave. Well, it looked like we was going to have the best vacation we ever had. I guess we ought to have known that when everything looked so bully, something was going to spoil it all. It was too good to be right. Swatty's mother's cow went dry, and Swatty didn't have to go home early to get her from the pasture so he could deliver the milk around to the neighbor's, And that was too good to be right. And Boney sort of stopped bawling at every little thing. And that wasn't like him. We ought to have known something was going to happen. It was too nice. Most always in vacation, my mother made me and my sister wash and wipe the dinner dishes at noon. And it didn't do any good to drop plates and break them, or whine, or get a bad headache all of a sudden. I had to wipe. There ought to be a law so boys couldn't wipe dishes, but there ain't so about all I could ever do was to wipe them as mean as I could and leave the butter between the tines of the forks when my sister didn't wash it all out. Well, when this vacation came, I thought I'd have to start in wiping the doggone dishes again, but I didn't. My mother got back the hired girl we had off and on. Her name was Annie Dumbacher, and she was a strong girl and a happy one. She didn't care any more for work than shucks. She could wash and wipe dishes and enjoy it, so maybe she was crazy, But what did I care if she was? She pitched in and even carried in her own wood and made a jar of cookies every two days. I thought it was bully. I ought to have known better. I ought to have known that mothers don't get hired girls that will carry in the wood and everything unless they've got something mean they're going to do to a fellow pretty soon. The first thing that happened was Boney. Me and Swati had got so we didn't hardly think of Boney as a crybaby anymore. And here, all at once, he was different. He used to come yelling and you hooing to meet us, and then one noon he'd come sort of sneaking, like a dog you've told to go home and thrown a stone at. He'd come up to us mighty quiet, looking pretty sick, and didn't say nothing. What's the matter, Boney? Swatty asked. Nothing. You tend to your own business, can't you? he answered back. But it wasn't scrappy the way he said it. It was whiny. So I started to say something, but Swatty stopped me. Ah, oh, let him be, he said. If he wants to be a wine cat, let him be one. What do we care? So we let him. He came along to the cave with us and dug, but he didn't seem to have no fun. It wouldn't have taken much to make him blubber. He acted ashamed, that's what. Well, that was one day, and the next morning he was just as bad. We teased him some that morning, but he took it and never jawed back. Then he went down to the creek to get a drink, and me and Swati talked about him. Boney's father and mother fought a good deal with their jaws sometimes, like when we thought Boney's father was going across the river to kill himself, and we went to keep him from it, and me and Swati decided there must be a big fight going on at Boney's house because that always makes a fellow feel cheap and mean. So we said we wouldn't tease him about it. So Boney came back, and we dug a while, and went home to dinner. And the next thing was that Mamie Little came back from Bettsville and began playing with Lucy and Toadie Williams again. And that made me feel mean. And then Fan came back from Chicago. So one day after dinner, I had to go for an errand for my mother. And when I came back, Swati and Boney hadn't come yet. But Mamie Little was at our house waiting for my sister. She was on the front terrace braiding the grass where it was long. So I picked some grass and made a ball of it and threw it at her. And she said to stop. And I got some more and was going to throw it at her. And I felt pretty good because she said, oh, George, now don't. But just then, my father came out of the house, so I stopped. I had thought he had gone already. I stood and didn't do anything until he went by, and then I happened to think I had left my nigger shooter on my bureau in my room, and I went to get it. I went into the house and up the stairs on the jump and busted into my room and then stopped mighty short, because my mother was in my room. She was at my bureau and had a drawer pulled out and was taking out some of my clothes. So I grabbed my nigger shooter off the bureau and was going to go mighty quick because mothers always think of something for you to do when they see you. "'George,' she said, "'you are going over to your Aunt Nell's to stay a week or two. I'll get your clothes already, and I want you to be a good boy while you're there and be as little trouble as possible.' "'Ah, gee,' I said. "'What do I have to go over there for?' It made me sick because Aunt Nell is always trying to do right by me when I'm over there and combing my hair... "'making me wash my feet before I go to bed and everything.' "'So I said, "'Ah, gee, I don't want to.' "'My mother went right on taking clothes out of my bureau. "'I'm going to tell you something, Georgie, "'and then perhaps you will be more reasonable. "'You and Lucy are going to Aunt Nell's "'because there is a little new baby coming here. "'Now will you be a good boy and say nothing more?' "'Yes, am I said, and I got out of the room pretty quick. "'I tiptoed down the stairs and stood at the bottom.' I didn't know whether to go out or not. Boney and Swatty were out there now, and Mamie Little and Scratch Cat, I didn't know how I would dare talk to them. I sort of felt like they would see it in my face. If they did, I would feel so mean I'd die. I guess you know how a fellow feels about it. Any fellow would almost rather go to jail than have a baby come to his house. The fellows yell at him, Ah, Georgie, you got a baby at your house, and he knows it is so, and he can't tell them they're liars. But just then my mother came out of my room and said, "'Georgie!' So I got out of the front door in a hurry. I was afraid she was going to say something about it again. Women don't know any better. They'll say anything right out and think it is all right and don't care how a fellow feels sick to hear it. So I skipped. I went down to the front gate and Swatty and Boney and Mamie Little and Scratch Cat were there. Boney was off to one side looking sick and Swatty was awing at Mamie Little about something but I felt too mean and cheap to awe back at him like I ought to have done. I let him awe. I got as far away from Mamie Little as I could and went over and sat by Boney and Scratch Cat. Well, all at once i guessed maybe I knew what was the matter with Boney because I felt just like the way he had been acting. So I said, Say, Boney, are you going to have a baby at your house? He got sort of red and didn't dare look at me. Then he began to cry mad like, "'I don't care,' he blubbered out. "'If you tell anybody I'll lick you, I will. "'I don't care who you are. "'I'll, I'll shoot you. I'll, "'I'll kill you.'" scratch cat didn't laugh. She just said, "'Oh,' so I knew that was it. So just then, Mamie Little called out, "'Oh, Georgie.'" But I just hollered, "'Ah, oh, shut up.'" So I said, "'Ah, oh, come on, Swatty, let's go up to the cave.'" Well, just then, my sister came out of the house. She had on a clean dress And she came hippity-hopping down the walk as happy as could be and happier. She came right down to where Swatty was teasing Mamie Little. And she said, Mamie, Mamie, what do you think? We're going to have a little new baby. Well, I got up and climbed over the fence and ran. I don't know how I ever got over a fence so quick, pickets and all, but I did. And I ran up the street with my hands over my ears. I knew Swatty knew and Mamie Little knew. And that they were thinking, Oh, Georgie's going to have a new baby at his house. And I was trying to run away. When I came to the corner, I dodged behind it and stopped. Almost right away, Boney came, and Swatty came right after him, and Scratch Cat after Swatty. But we made her go back again. We didn't want any girls around at all. Swatty was almost as sore as me and Boney was. He just threw himself down on the grass and said, "'Gosh!' "'Well, you don't need to go and blame me,' I said. "'I ain't the only one. "'Boney's going to have one at his house, too.' So then Swatty sat up. "'Oh, gosh!' he said." You and Boney's always spoiling all our fun. I ought to have known what was the matter with him, and now you'll be the same way. You bet I don't have no babies coming to my house, making everybody grouchy. But you and Boney don't care. You don't care how you spoil the fun. Boney didn't say anything, but it made me mad. Well, it ain't my fault, is it? I asked. I don't want no baby to come to my house, do I? I didn't order it from the doctor, did I? What doctor? Swatty asked. What has a doctor got to do with it? Well, a doctor brings it, don't he? I asked. No, we don't, Swati said. A stork brings it. My mother told me so a million times, and I guess she knows, don't she? Aw, uh, that's in Germany, I said. I know that, I guess. In Germany a stork brings it, but how can it in the United States when there ain't no storks? Did you ever see a stork in the United States? Well, no, Swati had to say, because he didn't. Well, you've seen plenty of doctors in the United States, haven't you? I asked. Yes, Swati had to say because he had. He saw Dr. Miller almost every day, starting out or coming back with his old gray mare. He was our doctor and Boney's folks' doctor, but Swati's folks had Dr. Benz because they were German and water curers. Dr. Miller was a big pillar, so Swati had to say yes. Well, I said, don't that prove it? Of course it did. Swati had to say it did. So he said, "'Well, gosh, if doctors bring them in the United States, "'I guess I wouldn't be sitting around whining if I was you and Boney. "'I know what I'd do.' "'What would you do?' I asked. "'I wouldn't let a doctor bring any. "'That's what I wouldn't do,' said Swati. "'I'd find out what doctor was going to bring it, "'and I'd fix him all right. You bet your boots.' "'Well, Dr. Miller's going to bring them if anybody does,' I said. "'He's our doctor, and he's Boney's doctor, ain't he? "'What can me and Boney do? I'd like to know.' Well, I could help you, couldn't I? Swatty wanted to know. I wouldn't have to go back on you just because Dr. Miller isn't our doctor, would I? Well, what would we do then? I asked, but you bet I felt a whole lot better. If Swati was willing to help us, it was different. He was a good helper. Boney looked better, too. Swati pulled a handful of grass and fooled with it, and I could see he was thinking mighty hard. We've got the cave, ain't we? He said after a while. "'Well, then, all we've got to do is to get Dr. Miller and put him in the cave and keep him there. "'And then he can't do anything about it, can he?' "'Of course that was so. I wouldn't have thought of it, and Boney wouldn't, "'but Swatty thought of it in less than a minute. "'But right away I thought of how hard it would be to do. "'If Dr. Miller had been a kid, it would have been easy. "'But he was a man, and he was a mighty big man, too. "'He was bigger around than any man in town, I guess, and almost as tall.' I asked Swati, and he said, of course we couldn't grab Dr. Miller and push him a mile or so out to the cave and boost him up the clay bank and into the cave. We've got to think out a plan, he said, only he said plam, like he always does, and gart instead of got. So we thought, and it wasn't any use, so Swati said we might as well go out to the cave and do some work and think out there. So we went. The more I thought, the more I couldn't think of anything. All I could think of was how big Dr. Miller was, and I guess Boney thought the same thing. I thought of his whiskers, too. You're always kind of scared of a doctor, almost like you're scared of a minister. They ain't like common folks. Common folks are just men, except when they're your fathers. But ministers and doctors are men and something else. And Dr. Miller was more doctory than any other doctor in town. That was why so many folks had him. He had red-brown whiskers and nothing on his chin or upper lip, and his whiskers were not stiff and tough like whiskers generally are, but smooth and silky and fluffy. He laughed a lot, too, and was always smiling, but he knew all about your insides better than you did. It is creepy to see a man smiling so much and feel that he knows more about you than you do yourself, and so you were mighty scared of him. Well, we didn't think of anything, and I went home feeling pretty mean and went into the alleyway, and my mother was keeping supper for me and had my things and sisters all ready for us to go over to Aunt Nell's, and after supper she kissed us and we went. She gave me a dollar and she gave sis 50 cents, and she hugged us a long time before she let us go. The next morning, Aunt Nell started right in on me. She made me go upstairs, brush my hair again, and looked at my fingernails and in my ears, and then said I didn't look as well as usual and wanted to know if I slept well. I got away as soon as I could and went up to the cave. Swati and Boney was there already, digging at the roof of the back room of the cave. "'What you doing that for?' I asked. "'If you dig up there much more, the roof will bust through.' "'Well, ain't that what we want it to do?' Swati asked. "'Why do we?' I asked back. "'You come on and help us work,' he said, "'and I'll tell you why.' So I helped them work, and Swati told me he had thought of a bully plan." I wouldn't have thought of it in a thousand years. I had stayed awake all night, or anyway, almost half an hour, trying to think how we could get Dr. Miller into the cave. And all I could think of was grabbing him somehow and tying ropes to him and yanking him up to the door of the cave. And I knew we couldn't do it because we weren't strong enough. But Swatie had thought it all out, like he always does. I might have known he would. We went ahead and dug at the roof of the cave, and pretty soon we dug through to daylight. It took us all day, and the dirt we got, we spaded into the tunnel between the two rooms and filled it up good and solid, except a short way out of the front room. The next day we worked hard, too. We dug out more of the roof of the back room and then worked on the door of the cave so we could fasten it up sound and quick when we got the doctor in it. We took the stove out and everything else he could use to dig with, and when we had to go home for supper, we had it all ready. Swati said so. Well, all of us knew Jake Hines, the doctor's hired man, and he was foreman of Fearless Hose Company No. 2, and every night he went over to the hose house and played cards after he got his work done at the doctor's. I went to bed about 9 o'clock, but I left my clothes on, and when I thought it was midnight, I got up, went downstairs, and went out into the alley. Swatty was there already, sitting in the shadow of Doc Miller's manure box, but Boney hadn't come, so we guessed he was a frayed cat and didn't dare. So we went ahead without him. The doctor's old gray mare was standing with her head at the little square window, and Swati got on the manure box and climbed in. He opened the stable door, and I went in after him. The old mare looked around at us, but she didn't make any trouble, and Swati untied the halter strap, and we led her out into the alley. We led her across the public square, and down into the creek, and then up the creek to where our cave was. She came right along as easy as anything, and we got her up the bank and to where we had caved in the roof of the back cave. She didn't want to go down there. I guess she thought it was kind of funny to be taken into a hole like that. But a doctor's horse is used to being out at night and to going into all sorts of places, and at last she set her front feet and slid down. It was pretty steep, but she went down easy. Swati tied the halter strap to one of her front feet, and we left her there. We went back home, and I went to bed. I was pretty scared. I thought the doctor would get up in the morning and see his mare was gone, and would get a lot of people and police, and there would be crowds hunting the mare. I had pretty bad dreams. I dreamed I was hung about eight times for horse stealing. When I got up in the morning, I was mighty sick of it, you bet. I made up my mind I wouldn't do any more, no matter how many babies the doctor brought to our house. I would stay at Aunt Nell's and let on I didn't know anything about gray mares or anything. I was through. So about nine o'clock, Swatty came to Aunt Nell's to get me, and he was just hopping. He was so tickled. "'Gosh,' he said, "'it's better than I ever thought it would be. I came through the alley, and Jake Hines was sitting on the manure box waiting for the mare to come home. And what do you think?' "'What?' I asked. "'He said he would give me a quarter if I found the mare,' Swati said. He said he guessed he had left a stable door open, and she had wandered away, and maybe she would come back. But if I hunted around and found her and brought her back, he would give me a quarter.' So I'm hunting around for her. Well, I didn't feel so bad. Boney came and said it wasn't because he was scared that he didn't come out last night, but because he had gone to sleep and hadn't waked up. So Swati talked some more, and we all felt fine. we seen it was a bully, so I took my dollar, like we had fixed it for me to do, and I bought some bread and some butter and some things to eat while Swati and Boney went out to the cave. We didn't want Dr. Miller to starve to death while we had him locked in the cave, because that would be murder. So I took what I had bought to the cave, and we put it where the doctor could see it, and then we went down to the doctor's house. It was about ten o'clock. We went to the front door and rung the bell, and Mrs. Miller came to the door. "'Is Dr. Miller at home?' Swatty asked. She said he was, and Swatty told her we had found his horse, and she said she would tell him. He came right out. He looked sort of jolly, and he said, "'Well, boys, I suppose you're looking for a reward. "'Did you bring old Jenny home?' "'No, sir,' Swatty said. "'We would have, but we couldn't. "'We couldn't get her out of the hole.' "'So we wanted to know what hole and Swatty told him. "'He told him we had a cave up the creek, "'and then it looked like the old mare "'had walked on top of the cave and fell through. "'He asked if she was hurt, "'and we said she wasn't, we guessed, "'but she wouldn't come out for us. "'He got his hat. "'Come on,' he said. "'I'll see about it.' "'Well, he took us out the back way to the stable "'and yelled for Jake. and "'Jake came. "'Jake?' He said, these boys have found Jenny. She's fallen into a hole, and they can't get her out. All right, Jake said. I'll go with them. You could have knocked me over with a feather. We hadn't thought of that. The doctor started to go back to the house. Then he stopped. Just wait a minute, he said. I think I'll go with you. If the mare is hurt, I may be able to attend to her right there. When the doctor came out with his medicine case, we started, and me and Swati pretended to be eager to hurry up. Boney sort of held back behind. The doctor talked to us a lot. He was sort of happy and good-natured about it like fat men are, and joked some how far it was. We took him out the graveyard road and down into the creek bottom and showed him the mouth of our cave up the bank. Well, well, he said, this is mountain climbing indeed. If I had much of this to do, I'd be a smaller and a better man. He made me carry his medicine case so he could use both hands, and I went first. Then Jake came, and then the doctor, and then Swatty, and then Boney. When we got to the door of the cave, I stopped, and Jake looked in. "'Where's the mare?' he said. "'I don't see no mare.' He turned to look back, and the doctor was just behind him, panting pretty hard. "'What?' the doctor asked, and he stepped up. I started to say it was the back cave the mare was in, but just then the doctor bumped against me and went sort of down on his knees. It was as dark as pitch. Swatty had slammed the door shut against the doctor and jolted him into the cave, and me and Jake with him. I heard Swati fastening the cave door, and there we were, me and the doctor and Jake. We were locked in the cave. I was the first one to know what Swatty had done, and I pounded on the door and hollered for them to let us out, but they didn't do it. Jake was just standing and saying, "'I'll be dumbed.' "'I'll be dumbed.' "'What does this mean?' Dr. Miller asked. "'I didn't know what to say. I was so scared.' But I didn't have to say anything. Jake said it. I know mighty well what this means, Doc, he said. This is some of Tom Foley's work, this is. He's been trying to get me out of the foremanship of Fearless Hose No. 2 for the last three years. We've got the annual election tonight. He knows mighty well. If I ain't there tonight, he can put it over on me. And this is his game. Mighty sorry you got drugged into it, Doc, but I'll make him suffer for this when I get out. He struck a match and saw the food I had brought. He kept striking more matches and looking around the cave. Yes, my Susan, he said. Look at the food. This is Foley's work, the great big mush. He thinks this is a good joke. I'll show him. Son, he said to me, did Foley talk to you? No, sir, I said. I knew it, Jake said. It's that swatty kid. He's a terror, he is. Well, son, don't you mind. We'll mighty soon get out of here. I felt a whole lot better, but I guess the doctor didn't. Get out? How will we get out? He wanted to know. If your friend Foley fixed this up, you may be sure he did not expect you to get out tonight. And I've got to get out. I've got two important cases, and I must get out. Oh, we'll get out, Doc, said Jake, and he lit another match. He looked at the door and tried it, butting into it with his shoulder. But we had fixed it dandy. It didn't give at all. It was like butting a rock. He tried it a while, and then he said, but not so gay, well, we'll have to dig out. Then Jake, let's dig, said the doctor, and they dug. I dug too, but mostly I only pretended to dig. It was dark in there and you couldn't see, and clay isn't anything to dig with your fingers. Jake and the doctor had pocket knives, but you know how much you can dig with a pocket knife. But they had the right idea. They didn't try to dig through the tunnel like me and Swati thought they would. They dug around the door. Well, when Swati and Boney had locked us in, they went and sat on the bank across the creek to see what would happen. Nothing happened. Then Swati got to thinking. He didn't worry about Jake, because Jake was a hired man, and nobody ever knew when he would get home. But he knew my aunt would want to know where I was. That made him think of Mrs. Miller, and she would want to know where the doctor was. He was mighty worried. We had thought that maybe we could keep the doctor in the cave a couple of weeks until everything was all right. But he knew right away that me and Jake and the doctor couldn't live on the food I had put in the cave, and he knew my aunt would start out to find where I was and Mrs. Miller to find out where Dr. Miller was. He was mighty worried, and he didn't know what to do. So he didn't do anything. It turned out like he thought it would. My aunt was mad when I did not come home to dinner and madder when I didn't come home to supper. But when I didn't come home at all, she was worried almost crazy. She got my father to go hunt for me. He hunted a while, and then he got some other men to hunt for me because he had to go home. They hunted all night. Along toward morning, the hunters who were hunting for me ran into the hunters who were hunting for Dr. Miller. They had Swatty with them because Mrs. Miller had said Swatty had come to the house and the doctor had gone away with him. They were trying to make Swatty tell where the doctor went, but he wouldn't. He just let on like he was crying and said he didn't know. Well, the hunters who were hunting for Dr. Miller had just started out because Mrs. Miller hadn't gotten worried until toward morning because she thought he was attending to his business. But toward morning, my father and Boney's father came to his house, and it was at their houses Mrs. Miller thought Dr. Miller was. So she was frightened and got some men to hunt him. I guess I went to sleep about 10 or 11 o'clock that night while Jake and Dr. Miller were still digging. I woke up all of a sudden, and there I was in the cave, and the door opened, and men coming in and Dr. Miller brushing off his hands. Him and Jake had almost dug a way out, but the hunters had got swatty to tell where we were. So about the first thing I heard was a man saying, Where's that swatty? Don't let him get away. But he had got. We didn't see him for about a week. He went over into Illinois and got a job with a farmer. Well, all the way home, Jake kept talking about Tom Foley and what he would do to him, And when the hunters heard it, they laughed like 60, and said it was the best joke they ever heard. They said they would have to hand it to Foley. He was a dandy. So I guess they told Foley so. I guess he listened to them and didn't let on, only said he didn't do it. And of course they didn't believe him, because he had been elected foreman of Fearless Hose No. 2, like Jake had said he would be. So Foley got sort of proud of it, and let them think. So me and Boney and Swatty never got anything, except Swatty got licked for being away for a week, And that was all right. It was worth it for the fun we had. But the worst of it was that all of it wasn't any use. We had gone to all the work for nothing. We had caved up the wrong doctor. We ought to have caved up Dr. Wilmire and Dr. Brown, because while we had Dr. Miller caved up and thought we had everything fine and dandy, it was Dr. Wilmire and Dr. Brown who were the ones all the time. When we got home from the cave with the hunters, There was a new baby at our house, and one at Boney's house, and they had brought them. And that wasn't the worst. They were both girls. So we had done worse than nothing, because if we had left Dr. Miller alone, he might anyway have brought boys. End of chapter 8